Hello and welcome to Sonic Sketchbooks. I'm your host, Gary Warner. This episode is a virtual visit to the Centre for Deep Reading Retreat, an annual event staged at a property named Tiraman on Wanneroo country northwest of Sydney in the Hunter Valley near the rural town of Dungog. The CDR is a labour of love, social relations and experimental cultural enrichment devised and sustained by writer, activist, humanities teacher and fellow pedestrian explorer Nick Keyes. I visited Nick at his apartment in the Sydney suburb of Northbridge to talk with him about his project. Excerpts from our conversation are interwoven here with excerpts from field recordings I made at the 2018 and 2019 CDR retreats at Tiraman, giving some sense of the sound worlds there that are generated by the natural residents and by the cultural sojourners in tangential collaboration. This episode features the voices of Vanessa Berry, Catherine Bird, Ross Gibson, Nick Keyes, and the incidental voices of other Centre for Deep Reading participants. Center for Deep Reading is a, a fantasy project of mine um, that was originally, in its first iteration, brainstormed with me by a friend, Ella Skilbeck Porter. And she worked with me closely for 18 months or so when we first kind of thought about it and did the first iterations of it. And then when it became clear that it needed to move from one day events to something like a retreat outside of the city. Then Raw, my friend Rory Stenning and I started planning that and Rory was having a cigarette with Charlie McKenzie outside the front of philosophy class at ANU one time and happened to mention he was looking for a venue for a reading retreat and Charlie said, oh, my dad runs a place. And that's how we got onto Stuart McKenzie and Jeremy. And yeah, and so the project is really merged my fantasy project is really merged into Stuart's fantasy project which is Tiramin you know to CDR activities are all Tiramin based now so this year 2021 is what the fourth of these or the fifth the fourth winter and then the fifth yeah the first one we did was a summer a summer in a, in a blistering hot heat wave where the Hunter Valley was we were playing a game was we were lying downstairs with wet towels on the concrete looking up places in Australia that were hotter than where we were right now and there was nowhere. <laughs> uh, so not much reading got happened, got done then, but um, that was the first one, yeah. So we, just, we moved it to... We the cooler up, months. The cooler months, mm. which is, you know, beautiful up there at that time. Yeah.
when people ask you what is deep reading, mm. and uh, you know, often your answer is as many. There are as many forms of reading as there are readers. Mm-hmm. But one of the things you say is this idea of um, deep readings or reading is a particular quality of attention. Mm. People think the question, what is deep reading? They think that the word deep is the, the one that needs qualification, which is that they assume that they know what reading is. But the more I think about the question, the more I realize that deep is the easy part of the answer. And it's really what, what is reading that becomes the mystery to ruminate on. Uh, and once you start to think about the metaphors that we use reading for reading the game reading the country reading the bush reading a face and you start to to see that well what is what is what is reading and what is how is it different from seeing mm. looking or glancing and there's some other extra in interpretive dimension that seems to come into play with reading if you're up in in broom on jugan country and you're an uncle and you're showing a young fella where the sources of water are and you're teaching them to watch the birds uh you're not just teaching them to look you're teaching them to read so stephen mukey's popularized famous term reading the country becomes really meaningful there so that's i suppose a window in on on the kind of expanded concept of reading that uh, ticks around my mind. And, and Tiramon is so such a good place to enact that. The house is not the final destination where you get the Instagram picture of the view, that the house is the the departure point from which you can then go somewhere else, mm. whether that's on a path across country, mm. into a set of headphones to listen, or into a book to to read. The texts that you've selected as well, they've always right. got some kind of connection to ways of thinking about country. It sort of percolates. Right. Because you're there, because you're outside of the city, because you're surrounded by bird call, yeah. because there's it's raining, or you've got a much sort of stronger sensory connection to the ordinary day yeah. uh, than we do in the city, where you know we're surrounded by machines and buildings, and there's not as much access as as you have out there with the big sky, right? And uh, the you know the even the air is sensory in a different way. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah percolating.
So we always choose a theme based around land and country or environmental themes. Um, I mean, the first time we went up there, we were looking at just strictly poetry stuff. But once I was there, I was like, well, we should always be using what this space affords as the inspiration for for the theme of what we do. Yeah, last year we did Eric Rolls' A Million Wild Acres and then also uh, Sylvia Hallam's book, Fire and Hearth. We looked at Alexis Wright, who's of course a contemporary novelist, but and Kim Mahood, who's a contemporary writer too, but um, I very much like and feel the need to draw people's attention to texts that are forgotten in the culture or remembered as sort of monuments rather than as things that you would look to. Mm. That culture amnesia is a strong motivating point for me with the Centre for Deep Reading mm, mm. and just my own reading in general. Sure. So this year you're looking at the very interesting combination of Judith Wright and Nugget Coons. <laughs> yeah. Poetry and public service. I'm very keen to think about and talk about and learn about his um, unrepeatable public service career and to think some about Keynesianism, to think about the key events of the 20th century that generated Australian social democracy, to connect back to what Keynesianism was and what, what generated it. So that's frankly my, my main motivation, but also Nuggets, you know, he started the ANU and then if, you know, his relationship to Aboriginal autonomy and self-determination and all that sort of stuff is so... And the Australia Council. Australia Council, mm-hmm. you know, so the cultural contribution there is is staggering. Everyone understood what, what the contribution was he made, but it's worth thinking about and asking questions like, why can a, you know, why can a nugget not exist now? And then, yeah, of course, to not underplay Judith there, you know, it's another chance for me to have a good look at her poetry. And then she's obviously such a, a helpful artist in the relationship between the work of art and the environment or between people and the environment mm, with yeah. her environmental consciousness. So mm. she's a natural fit. Um, 
to so yeah, all these things are kind of all spinning at once, and mm. that's a big part of the reading experience. Mm. I think the very the incredible sense of activity and vitality. To read, you have to some bring down the cone of silence enough that every potential sensory stimuli that your brain might attend to, because it's supposed to do that, that's how it's structured, mm. um, you need to mute that down in order to really vibrate with the text properly. When I pick up a paragraph of Proust and he talks about jealousy or desire, to really get it in its depths requires me to apply it to my own situations or situations that I know about. Mm. And then suddenly, suddenly this insight about desire that I might have disagreed with or not understood takes on its profundity because it describes a situation I've seen myself or felt, felt my way through myself. And so it's that, um, it's, that in, it's that connection between your own experiential reservoir that becomes the deep reading. An oscillation between, between yeah, your own interiority and the, this thing that's speaking to that interiority. Yes, yes. You've got to be open to uh, the energetics of the text. All the dynamics of the text. That's right, and then let them metabolize with you, and and that if that means that you have to stop your eyes moving for a while and look out the window and drift off, well, or shed a tear, or shed a tear, or, or, or thump the table, yeah, or suddenly realize that everything you've written is now worthless. <laughs> you know, like what, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, you know, you the reading happens when you're not reading in that case, mm, right? Mm. As in. 
in mechanically speaking, the reading is continuing whilst your eyes are not moving across words. So that, that's also interesting to think about the relationship between system and environment or, or, or reader and, and reading environment that you know, writers will often tell you about um, the state of mind they're in when they're writing and then they've been writing and then they're really in the zone and then they go out for a walk and they're still bloody writing. You know, oh, and yeah. then they come back and then they finish the, yes. the thing that they couldn't figure out. They know exactly what needs to happen now. Word, words worth walking. Yeah. yeah. The ultimate example, you know, like, so, so therefore writing is not reducible to the moment when Wordsworth is touching pen to paper, that it is something mm. there's some sense ongoing, you know, because they talk about language acquisition, needing a night's sleep in order for the the word to find its way into the conceptual schema somehow. So that might be one of the things to do with the problems we're having with retention is that we saturate, we read something or we engage some piece of media and then instead of going out for a walk and as it were non-consciously metabolizing it so that the benefit might pop up in your mind whilst you're walking or later on you do your thing and then you whack in a podcast while you're walking mm. and then you listen to music while you're making dinner and then you watch four, oh, yeah. four hours oh, of yeah. television so what you've done is you've you've buried that thing so deep that the kind of non-conscious me metabolism is not really going to return its riches to consciousness song of myself. Space and time, uh, now I see it is true what I guessed at, what I guessed when I loafed on the grass, what I guessed while I lay alone in my bed, and again as I walked the beach under the paling stars of the morning. I skirt Sierras, my palms cover continents, I am afoot with my vision. Over the growing sugar, over the yellow flowered cotton plant, over the rice in its low moist field, over the sharp-peaked farmhouse with its scalloped scum and slender shoots from the gutters, over the western persimmon, over the long-leafed corn, over the delicate blue flower flax, over the white and brown buckwheat, a hummer and a buzzer there in the west, over the dusky green of the rye as it ripples and shades in the breeze, scaling mountains, pulling myself up cautiously, holding on to low, scragged limbs, walking the path worn in the grass and beat through the leaves of the brush, where the quail is whistling betwixt the winds and the wheat lot. Where the sun down shadows lengthen over the limitless lonesome prairie, where herds of buffalo make a crawling spread of the square miles far and near, where the hummingbird shimmers, where the neck of the long-lived swan is curving and winding, where the laughing gull scoots by the shore, her near-human laugh, where beehives range on a grey bench in the garden, half hid by the high weeds.
Fall Song by Shivananda Goswami. What you hear with your ears is final proof that man is a car of pipes and taps driven by the wind. A cosmos is on each side, fire burns within him. Why then does he sleep? Above a water jar, below a tail of fire, the pair never stop, they move together. On each side, a pair of compasses, in the middle, a star eye, above a flag flutters in the wind. Inside a hole filled with burning coal, five passengers stand by the door, driven by the spirit. Look, the human car goes wherever it wants. Inside this car, a net of chords, a single melody played on three notes, unite in a single chord, which turns round and round till, like an alarm, it produces yet another sound. He who becomes a swan instructs the world. His wings spread out by force of his wheels, crossing over 10,000 leagues. He goes where his spirit takes him. To Delhi, to Manipur, he announces the state of all things. Shivananda driver says, it's hard for me to drive. My machine is rusty and no longer moves.
I mean, I just in, invite my friends who are, are talented artists and, and try to um, empower, like yourself, and empower them to, to do something in, in the space. And Babs always brings a performative and social or, coll or collective, um, which is usually an in-situ reading somewhere on the property or a Jane and Brian's property, which is a five or six hundred acre dry remnant rainforest um, that Barbara's friends Jane and Brian um, look after. They describe themselves as biodiversity farmers and they keen on the project and they always take the group for a tour of their of their rainforest and, and we and we do we do something down there. Which connects to my interest in region regionalism and, and, and sort of grounding the project in the in the region rather than just using the region as a backdrop. Last year we managed to kind of do that more from the, the grounded in the region from Blackfella point of view by getting uh, Wanarua guys to, to come along and at the same time engage the Fire Sticks Alliance and the um, cultural burning that's going on, going on in the region, hoping to have more uh, connection with Laurie Perry and Wanarua um, in the future, maybe do some use Kim Mahood's cultural mapping techniques that she's generated from her um, many years working in in the Tanami and, and exported that project to lots of different mob around the country now. Um, so perhaps there's some some way that the reading retreat can can kind of build momentum for Wanarua, and then Ross Gibson come, comes up and and, and reboots his. Um, uh, conversation project that he first did at um, Biennale would it have been many many years ago um, and yeah offers himself as a sort of one hour um, conversant uh, ideal talking partner You know, I suppose in the long-term ambitions, if we can yeah, make it into a real thing, would be that you can ask more of people, time-wise. Um, hopefully, if Stewie can build some cabins up there, for example, we can give people better night's sleeps. Then ask that people stay stay for longer, uh, not because we want to tell people what to do, but because there is a certain time that it takes to make it meaningful, I think.
the reading retreats are saying is that it's the input into you, into you. It's the sort of soul enrichment to use some out-of-date metaphors that I'm fond of. Or spiritual love. Or yeah, it's been an, interiority. an interiority, you know, and, it, and, and so in enriching the interiors of people is not a waste of time. Uh, human beings can't just be material creatures. Mm. stars above and the dim earth under, through the cooling air of the glorious night. As we swept along on our pinions winging, we should catch the chime of a church bell ringing, or the distant note of a torrent singing, or the far off flash of a station light. Thanks for listening. A uh, very deep thanks to Nick Keyes for sitting down to chat about the Centre for Deep Reading and moreover for creating it in the first place and particularly for inviting me to be a part of the Centre for Deep Reading journey. You can find information about the 2021 retreat at the Sonic Sketchbooks episode guide, sonicsketchbooks.net. Uh, the retreat will be between August 17th and 26th this year, 2021. And this is episode 24.